Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is episode four uh, of our deliberate conversations around the topic of addiction. So thank you so much for those of you who have hung in with us and listened to each of the sessions. And this last session, again, is going to be very similar to uh, our episode three. Uh, where we're answering those specific questions that have to do more with family life, whether it's a spouse or, or kids. And we're going to continue and finish up uh, with the questions that uh, have been given to us. And again, I just want to say thank you so much for those who took the time to submit the questions. Uh, that's been extremely helpful as we've covered this topic. So uh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I asked Steve Green if he would just uh, go ahead and open this uh, episode in a word of prayer. Sure, I can do that. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for um, the love that you've given us in Christ. Um, thank you for the opportunity we get to sit down and talk about difficult issues, um, issues that we don't completely understand on our own. We're not um, experts in any way, but we, we're attempting to come at this from, from a biblical perspective. So, Father, thank you for the opportunity that we get to do that. And, and most of all, we ask that... Uh, these chats and these discussions would, would actually be helpful for those who listen, that uh, there's some a bit of encouragement, some bit of um, helpful insight that can be used to help your church um, become more like Christ. So um, we ask that you do that with this episode as well. Uh, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, because I'm one who is uh, maybe obsessive-compulsive, <laughs> Um, just ask my wife. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and for our last uh, episode here, I'm going to work, read our working definition of what we've been working through uh, from Ed Welch on what addiction is. Addiction is bondage to the rule of a substance, activity, or state of mind, which then becomes the center of life, defending itself from the truth so that even bad consequences don't bring repentance and leading to further estrangement from God. And I, I loved how um, Steve Bales in the last episode uh, basically defined that as slavery or an imprisonment, and I think that kind of encapsulates uh, what uh, is in that definition. So uh, let's move on again with the questions uh, that we've gotten, again, centered around family life. How can you help your kids work through the consequences of an addictive parent? So um, how do you help your kids? Uh, mom or dad is um, enslaved with whatever addictive behavior there is. How can you help your kids work through that? Well, I, I think it depends on your kid's age. I mean, because it's going to be a different. I mean, ultimately, the response is, um, I think, to show them love and to help them understand that, um, like we talked about, this is a, a yoke of slavery that, that's been placed on, on them and that. I don't know. I just think about some like I'm looking ahead at some of the other questions, and that's it. Kind of like how you, you protect them, you know. I mean, that's a good question, um, mm -hmm. but I think it depends on how old they are. You know, it's yeah. be, being there for them, letting them know they're loved, letting them know that that's you know ultimately not who their parents are. Their parents aren't defined by that addictive behavior, mm. um, and that doesn't define how their parents love them. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you say helping them work through the consequences of it. It means that the kids are dealing with some of the hurt and the pain that's caused by a parent's addictive behavior and, and more than likely um, it being a sin issue that, um, that ends up tearing a family apart or, or inflicting pain upon a family. Um, so 
that's that's a really hard question because you're you're trying to teach kids about um about life and the gospel and then immediately they're inflicted with some kind of pain that is not fair they did not bring upon themselves but it's it's there and they have to deal with it um so uh, from from my perspective just help trying to help a kid understand the gospel that people are not perfect and and don't don't sugarcoat it i mean mm-hmm. uh, go back to what frankie said it, it depends on their age it depends right. on the personality of the kid but uh don't sugarcoat it and um just be real with the, the harsh realities of life i mean don't you don't mm-hmm. try to scare a kid but Right. But be honest with them. Be open and honest with with what has happened, what has been a pattern. Um, if if you're the addicted or if if you're the parent that's struggling and coming coming away from that and trying to recover from that, just be open and honest with them. Honest with them about what your what steps you're trying to take to overcome that. And um, hopefully, if it's a Christian family, you'll be able to to share the gospel mm. in that that. I mean, there's there's consequences that we all feel that none of us inflicted on ourselves. And now, now there's a lot of consequences that we do inflict on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But there's some that in this world just seem unfair. And that's that's a good opportunity to point back to Christ and say, well, that was the ultimate. The Christ on the cross paying the penalty for my sins and your sins was the ultimate picture of unfair if mm-hmm. we're, we're mm-hmm. going to come down to it. Yeah, and I think it could be a good um, teaching moment as well because I, when I first read this, I'm thinking of the consequences that are now falling on the person who has the addictive behavior, whether they've lost their job, whether you know those types of things can be really good teaching moments for the kids to say, hey, you know, mom or dad, um, and hopefully they've already confessed their sin, but even if they haven't, mm-hmm. and I know these are hard consequences uh, and hard things to have to discuss, we can say, hey, look, you know, dad or mom uh, allowed themselves to get into this, this addiction because of their sinful choices that they made, and now when you cannot let go and you cannot or will not submit to Christ wanting to work in your heart, this is what happens. Uh, these are the things that are consequences of the choices that we make. And so, again, I agree with both of you guys. It really is going to depend a lot on the age of the kids. Uh, and I know, and we'll end with it again tonight, uh, but I think one of, the thing that need, one of the things that needs to be driven home is that love never ends. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we don't give up on uh, whatever parent it is, and and unless it's a um, an endangering thing where there might be physical abuse that that goes mm-hmm. along with it, I mean that's a different subject in well, and of itself. Yeah. But I mean, but if it's not that, uh, it's more going to fall on the line of the emotional hurt and, and all of those things. Um, you know, talking about grace and forgiveness and all those things would be a thing that you can use right. to help them deal with that. Well, and even in that, like there's a, a, there comes points where you have to guard and protect even in that, you know, whether oh, yeah. it's, I mean, just because it's not a physical abuse, um, yeah. I mean, emotional and sure. spiritual abuse are just as, you know, yeah, they're, they're damning the, to mm-hmm. kids. And, and so, but you know, hopefully just like Steve said, you know, we're sharing the gospel with them mm. sharing that, you know, um, yes, their parents are falling or are failing right now, but that doesn't mean they don't love them. Um, it also doesn't mean that um, 
we have a good, good father who loves them mm-hmm. perfectly, mm-hmm. even when their parents don't. And pointing back to that truth and just being there for them, whether it's listening, whether it's, hey, maybe I need to help pull them out of the situation for a while and let them stay with me, whether it's, I mean, and again, again all these are, all these are age dependent. Like, how old mm-hmm. is this kid? Is this happening to a two-year-old versus is it happening to a 16-year-old? Um, yeah. um, so there's different levels. And so it depends. And so if you're in that situation, I would say, um, let's talk. You know, mm-hmm. Let's have a conversation. Let's take that conversation a little bit further. Yeah, I do want to add on there that um, it, it's, an, it's a good gospel opportunity when you're, when you're helping a kid work through consequences that they have to deal with that they did not bring upon themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and my mind goes back to um, when Sarah and I were foster parents. That's, that's something you constantly deal with because a child is in foster care for no fault of their own. They were just living life, and then all of a sudden, because of someone else's actions, namely their parents, they're whisked away and put in a stranger's home. So in our case, there were some points where counseling like professional mm-hmm. counseling was needed. Um, and there, there came a time where that, that was not helpful anymore. Giving, um, giving our foster child, child some space just to vent her frustration. Um, um, she had some anger issues and I, I don't blame her. She had a rough, a rough place to come from. So, I mean, you don't, there, there's a line there, right. but you don't, you don't want to shut off um, a child from expressing the anger and frustration and, and feeling like they have to bottle it up in, in the name of forgiveness. It's like the forgiveness is a good thing, but if you're not feeling forgiveness, then forgiveness isn't there. Right. So it, there's, there's no sense in, um, in putting an artificial forgiveness on like, like an artificial mm-hmm. bandaid of forgiveness right. over it. Um, those are some real, real issues that the kid will have to work through on their own, both mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And our job as, as parents, aunts, uncles, friends, um, church members is, is simply to, um, give them the space to grieve, to vent their anger, to, to be frustrated and, and hopefully guide them in a, in a good direction. And all along the way, just, um, reminding them that, no, no, this, this isn't your fault. You don't have to, you don't have to wear this badge of mm. these bad things happen to me because I did something bad. No, mm. no, that's, that's not the case. It was somebody else. So don't wear that in the long term. Mm. Um, but, and just, just loving them along the way and giving them a safe, a safe space to, uh, to grow and work through that. Mm. Good. So this is kind of a, um, sort of the same, uh, question but not really so how do you approach or how do you address addiction with your kids how do you address the fact that mom or dad uh is now enslaved to whatever the addictive behavior is how do you address that with your kids say it again i'm sorry how do you address the uh, addictive behavior of a parent how do you address that with your kids um let's just say that either mom or dad have been uh, extremely good at masking what's going on, um, but it is now starting to reap consequences, and the kids may not be able to put two and two together. So, how do you address that with your kids? I would, I would think you'd start with um, just the basic principle of, uh, and, and take take less 
the last conversation we had and separating addiction from from sin like an addiction to a sinful behavior but if your addiction brings brings harm to the family or um something's off and you have to talk about that with your kids then um i personally i would treat that in the same way i would treat it if um if i blew up in anger at my kids and then come back and and apologize and just be be honest and own what happened Mm -hmm. like this happened mommy or daddy was wrong um i apologize to you for the effects that it has on you um i'm seeking forgiveness with god i'm i'm working to to remedy remedy this situation so um i think confessing it being open and honest about it and uh continually affirming to your kid that you're um you're not perfect and you're working on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say in, in the, this instance that, um, all right, let's just say that I'm just become a blithering alcoholic and my kids are still living in the home. Um, but I'm not willing to confess that to my kids. How does Christie address that then with the kids? And, mm-hmm. but let's just say that I, I'm, I never do it in their presence. Um, and you know, they don't know about it. Um, but it's now starting to affect things like, you know, I'm not bringing home as much money from work and it's affecting the relationship with my wife and the kids can see things, but they don't, like I said, they can't put two and two together. So how would Christy address that with them? I got you. I mean, it depends on the, again, it goes back to the age of the kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is so age dependent. Like if it's a two year old, three year old, I'm not, I'm probably not going to say a whole lot. Oh yeah. But if it's, you know, somebody who's 15, 16, you know, one of my favorite Christmas movies is It's, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh-oh. Um, and here, here. I, I do, I mean, it's, I guess it's technically not a Christmas movie, but, you know, it comes on every year and I love to watch it. Well, there's a Christmas um, tree in it. There you go. And uh, and so at the uh, towards the end, you know, or it's at the beginning, I guess, when uh, George Bailey, you know, has the issues and he takes off and, and goes out and, and, and gets hammered at the at Nick's. Um, <laughs> when he mm-hmm. leaves, his wife is like, you know, the, the kids are all upset, right? Mm-hmm. And there's like, what's wrong with daddy? What's wrong with daddy? And, and she's like, just pray, just pray. Um, and so I think sometimes it's just, hey, you know, dad's going through a rough spot. Mm. Let, let's pray for him. Mm-hmm. And, and teaching your kids how to pray for somebody who's, who's struggling. And I, I, I mean, depends again, depends on their age. So maybe they see that, you know, daddy has... Mm-hmm an issue with that with alcohol so we need to talk about that and we'll pray for that but if it's hey daddy's just struggling right now let's pray for daddy let's pray for yeah. god to work in his life mm. and 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 go to teach them how, that's i mean it's a great opportunity to teach them how to pray for others and mm-hmm. and go to god on their behalf um so yeah mm, true great true. answer i never thought it's a wonderful life would come into the answer but that, <laughs> that is a perfect illustration of, but of it's how a wonderful illustration <laughs> yes it is yes it is steve do you have anything to, to no, add to it's that good. it's good yeah, I think it, it does depend on the age uh, of the kids and, and how you address it. You make it age appropriate, obviously, uh, with them. But I, I do think, though, that as they do get older, these are great opportunities to discuss those kinds of things with them uh, as their understanding uh, of life and, and things like that uh, grow. And I also do think you know, that there are some things that you just don't even bring up with the kids. I can think of, let's just say that the husband's just been addicted to pornography. 
I don't think that's one of those things that you bring up with the kids. I yeah. think if I don't want to know that about my parents. No, if that's the no. Kid. But I think <laughs> I, I think though that if that's something that later on down the line that dad feels is appropriate, that he needs to confess to them. Yeah, certainly. Right. Uh, so there's certain things not that you hide sin or you you brush it under the rug. I think there's just some things that are just better. You just in that daddy's struggling with something. We just need to pray for him right right now. So cool. Okay. All right. So how do you protect your kids from uh, generational curses? Um, it's interesting that addictive behavior does seem to run in families. Yeah. Um, and so how do you uh, protect your kids from that? That is a question that I have asked myself for years. <laughs> and so what you're saying is you don't have the answer. Um, well, my kids are five and nine, so... I don't know. Ask me in 10 years and see if we got it right. Okay, folks, uh, tune in. Uh, it's one thing. 2031. Yeah. It's it's one thing that it it bothers me because one of the most revealing things for a parent is to to look at this beautiful, innocent child that you've created and then see the same sinful behaviors come straight back out at you. It's um, It's... It's a moment of revelation. If you've ever experienced it, it's, it's amazing. Um, you see yourself almost from a third person. Um, f- for me, I'm, my, my struggle in the house is, is anger. Um, and it's one of those things that I grew up with a dad who was just like that and swore up and down that when I'm a dad and I have my own kids, <laughs> no, not happening. And then I, I catch myself doing it and um it's it's like this little this face inside of me whenever whenever i lash out in anger i i can see myself almost from the outside it's Mm -hmm. and it's just dang it i've done that again and i'm i'm teaching my son specifically that this is this is how you react right um so i i don't know any other way to help him through that other than to when that happens come down to his level and and confess my sin and say this is the situation this is how daddy reacted this is what daddy did this is this is how I should have reacted and I'm sorry and I apologize for that um and I'm I'm thinking that's that's well I'll, I'll leave it open to you, but in in my mind, as as I'm trying my best to parent my kids, is to just be open and honest about what the sin actually is. Repent of that. Seek God's forgiveness. Seek their forgiveness, and then and then talk with them about what Daddy did wrong, what Daddy should have done, and then hopefully that applies to them. And then and then when I come, or when when my son busts out in a fit of anger. And then it actually makes sense to him. It actually connects with him when mm. I, when I come down with a calm voice and say, "Hey, this is this is not how we should respond to this. This mm. is how we should respond mm. to it." And then, um, and then he understands because because he's seen it modeled a little mm. bit. So that's that's the only solution I've come up to it so far. I'll throw it back to you guys. Well, I I know in, in my family um, on my dad's side, um, alcoholic um, behavior is very rampant. Mm. Um, and it's affect multiple generations. Um, and so, you know, you have a couple of choices. And I, I, I look back at how 
um, fortunate I've been to kind of stand on the outside and witness that behavior and realize it was a pattern, not only um, in my grandfather, who I never met, he passed away before I was born, or um, my uncles and aunts who struggled mm -hmm. with it, or their kids, who my cousins who have struggled with it and watched as it's been a, such a destructive behavior in several of their families to where they've lost everything. Um, and so I count myself fortunate that I've been able to kind of witness that enough to say, hey, I don't want that for me and my family. You know, mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate that my dad, who, who, who may have been headed down that path, was wise enough to um, say, I don't want that for my family as well. And, and, mm. and, you know, he was kind of given the obligation to either, you know, pick and choose before my, for my, for my gathering from when my mom and him got married and they were going to have kids. It was like, you can choose this lifestyle or choose us. And mm. he chose us. And, mm. um, so I'm blessed with that, but, to, but to see on the other hand, how that has not panned out for a couple of his brothers who mm. lost family, lost jobs, lost, um, everything and so it says you know it, it's one of those things where i said okay well i want to protect myself like so knowing i have freedom in christ to drink alcohol but at what point is that wise for me uh, and and, and, and yeah. so i've always tried to be careful of that because mm -hmm. i see that the pattern that's happened over and over and over again in my family and i'm like i don't want that for my kids and then so now i'm t you know the plan is as my kids get old enough and get a little bit older to teach them the how to drink responsibly, what that means. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say, hey, don't drink, but hey, let's let's talk about what that patterns looked like in our family's history, mm -hmm. and yeah. and know that you need to be careful. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you, you have freedom in Christ, but like Steve said, don't use that freedom to put a yoke mm -hmm. of slavery on mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I think uh, one of the things that you know we almost forget uh, because it's just um, you know just seems like well, no duh, pray. Pray for your kids. Pray that whatever that generational thing that's been there for, you know, generations, that it gets broken. Uh, and then, as you said, you then take the responsibility as much as you can to play a part in doing that. Um, fortunately, in my family, uh, alcoholism was never uh, as far as I, at least from like my dad and my grandfather and and um, my great-grandfather, as far as I know, uh, it was not an issue at all. But what uh, Christy and I decided was until our kids actually were in college, we, and which meant with five kids, it was a long time. We had no alcohol in our house. I just chose not to even put that there as an opportunity for them. But as they got older, uh, then you can mm -hmm. uh, explain, okay, this is a gift from God, but we need just like any other gift that we have from God, we need to use it responsibly. And so, right. you know, when we started to do serving alcohol at like birthday parties and things, it was all done under being responsible with it to, so that we're not that first generation that actually starts that moving on down the road. And so, again, I know it sounds like the Sunday school answer, I think the one of the most important things we can do is just pray for them, pray for God's protection for them, and then do our part to make sure that um, we're doing whatever we can from a human perspective to help break that chain that's that's been there, which can be extremely difficult to break. Yeah. So, yeah. so last question. 
How does one seek healing as a family when someone in the family is struggling with addictive behavior? And I would have to assume uh, the way that this is worded that it, I would have to assume that that person that's struggling with the addictive behavior is, is at the point where they're still not willing to uh, go for help. So how does one seek healing as a family when someone in the family is still struggling with addictive behavior? Because I can imagine as the parent who is not, uh, there's got to be a lot of stress in your life of wanting to protect your kids and, and all of those things. So, you know, how can we help in the healing process yeah. of all that? Well, it's that's hard because there's there's an element of healing that will not happen as long as that addictive behavior is there. Right. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So... I'm struggling to to grasp what what portion of it is um, able to be healed, even in the midst of it. Um, I don't may, maybe in the sense of just coming to terms with this is this is the current reality in which we find ourselves, and just just coming to terms and accepting that. Mm. Um, but that's that's a really hard place to be. Um, Outside of that, I'm, I'm not sure. Let's just assume for uh, grins and giggles that, that the person who has been struggling with the addictive behavior has now made the turn where they're seeking help, mm -hmm. they want to get help, but they're still in the midst of the struggle. Um, so how does the healing process work in that scenario uh, where they're making efforts um, to rid themselves of it? So how do we help with that? If they're making those steps, I think it, it's wise to seek counsel. I mean, mm -hmm. to constantly be talking to somebody, have an accountability partner. Who are you talking to to um, to, to work through that? Because, if you, I mean, we know if you're trying to work through that in private and on your own, a lot of times you're going to end up failing. And, and it's hard. <laughs> I mean, are, are we talking about the the addicted person well, trying to recover or the, well, I'm talking the about, family members working through it. Well, I'm talking about the addictive first because I feel like if that's the case, you know, if, if they're, if they're willing to receive counsel now, so, okay. So they're, they're working now physically towards it, not just saying I'm working towards it. Right. right? So right. I'm not just saying, Hey, I, I, I didn't drink this week. I promise, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to AA. I'm, I'm seeking a counselor. I'm um, holding, having somebody hold me accountability and they're speaking to me a couple of times a week then I feel like, okay, now there's an opportunity then for that person who has been sinned against the other family member to, to – I think they're free to start the healing process. You know, there's, there's the opportunity there yeah. to begin yeah. to, to forgive and forgive, begin to start walking. What does that healing process look like for them? I don't know. It depends on the situation, but it, it enables them to begin yeah. that process because they can start to build trust again because where there's a, that addiction, there is no trust. Mm -hmm. and, and so you can't, you can't begin to heal without trust. And so once you put yourself in a place where I can build trust again with my spouse, then I feel like that will happen. Yeah, if, if you're talking about someone, about the addicted person, or the, the struggling addict, um, yes, and they're, and they're pursuing help, they're, they're working towards not being that, then, yeah, you can start the healing process because you've got a destination you're actually right. moving towards. You know, mm -hmm. We're not there yet. There's there's maybe a long road there, but you're moving in that direction. But if if there's no change being, um, if, if the person does not want to change and has not changed mm -hmm. yet, then 
And that's a really hard spot to be in because you've got a destination, but you are not moving that direction. Mm. And that's, that's right. really sad. And I really think that, I mean, I don't think you can ever get to the point where there really is family healing if that person is not willing to be part of the process of the healing now we already discussed it what do you do how do you work with your kids through the addictive behavior yes there's grace and there's praying and all these things but i think for the real full circle of healing to actually take place um all parties have to be involved in that at least as, as i see it um i don't know if you guys think any differently than that but i i think for the whole family to have that healing the, the person that's struggling with the addictive behavior has to repent and be willing to go through whatever it takes to get them freed from that right. addictive behavior. And then that's it. The, as Steve said, then you've got a target that you're shooting for. You're working mm-hmm. to get to this point here. And as far as helping them with that, I mean, I think what a great model of grace True. and praying True. and encouraging the person who's been struggling and, and all of those things. I think what a great thing for a family to actually get the privilege to work through uh, once you've gotten to that point where the person is seeking help and is, uh, you know, making the efforts to bring about that healing in their lives themselves for themselves so that the family can be healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here. Anything else? Wow. I'll echo Frankie with a here, here. There you go. All right. And one, this one, we have another question here, and we're not going to specifically answer it. Well, we will specifically answer it, but we're not going to give the specifics I think the person was wanting. Uh, what Christian-based help can one seek when both church family and immediate family are not present? And I think what they're saying is, okay, what what are resources out there that if – you know, dad travels for his work and, you know, what can we do to, you know, as far as like alcohol or pornography or whatever those things would be easy for him to, to slip into. I think those are going to be actually specific to whatever the addictive behavior is. And so for whoever asked that question, if you want, if there's a specific, we would be glad to get back to you to answer that because there are resources yeah. They're available. I mean, if it's you know pornography, there's all kinds of protective things you can do for the internet and and those things you can do along those lines. Uh, there are groups, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be AA. There are actually some Christian groups that are kind of sort of the Christian version of AA that are all over the country that they could get hooked up with if they're going to be out of town for an extended period of time. You can get accountability partners for somebody who's you know, on the road, uh, and they, you know, they're going to be overnight somewhere and make sure that they're going to be talking to somebody while they're gone. So there's a number of things that you can do, uh, that are Christian based that are outside, uh, the immediate family. And, um, I guess possibly outside the church family, but I think those are going to be things that are going to be specific to the addictive behavior. And there's going to be organizations that they can get mm-hmm. uh, in contact with. So again, if, the, if this was the question that you asked, please contact us and let us know what the specific behavior is. And then we can steer you into the right uh, Christian based help that can help with that. So mm-hmm. any last comments? Thanks guys. This has been, it's been good. It's been challenging for me. Uh, and, and I just want to emphasize if you or someone that you love now, whether it's family, um, brother or sister in Christ is struggling with this, don't walk through this alone. Um, please come get help. Um, don't suffer by yourselves. I mean, the body of Christ is here so for us to walk through these very things together as a family. So yeah. please 
um, see us. Um, it's extremely important. Uh, these questions obviously have hit a nerve. And so again, just, just come to us. And so as we've done uh, with each episode, uh, I think the best way to end this is to end it uh, with God's word. And then I'm going to have Frankie uh, close our time in prayer. So back to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Frankie? Father, we're thankful for the love that never fails us. Mm. We're thankful for you and and the work that you're doing in and among us, Father. Help us to trust that. Help us to trust you and what you're doing. Um, Father, as we deal with um, life and just what comes our way, sometimes we um, fall in ruts, as Steve talked about last week, and just the, the whole concept of addiction is startling and harm, and, um mm. and uh, hurtful, you know, for a lot of people, Father. And so I pray that you'll help us to um, be wise, help us to seek counsel where we need to seek counsel, help us to be honest with uh, ourselves, help us to be um, repentive where we need to repent, help us to turn to you where we know life is just too heavy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, Father, I, I pray that, that we can trust you and, 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 and walk through this process together. Father, I pray, Lord, that we have family members who are suffering with addiction, that you'll give us the courage to speak up, um, to talk to them, to, to help point them to resources that can help them. Father, I, help you, I pray that we'll just um, help us to love kids well, our children well, who um, are maybe bearing uh, the brunt of some of our addictions, um, help them to know that they are loved and that you are good through all of it. Um, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you'll continue to heal us, continue to draw us to you, and help us to know that um, apart from that, we have no hope. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful for you and the work you've done. Help us to rejoice that you continue to pursue us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Tune in early fall. Season four of Deliberate Conversations will be coming out then. And now Steve's going to have to end it with grace and peace, y'all.